me, let me ask you, let's go into the Gospel of John chapter 5. And uh, I want to ask this question this morning. This is an obvious question. How many can say this morning that you need God to do something in your life? Amen. I believe it for God to do things in my life and in this church. He's been doing things, and, I, and I, I'm excited about what is happening in this church. And I, I have news for you. I believe and I prophesy there is a great harvest coming our way. Amen. And, and church, get ready. Leaders, get ready. Uh, because when it comes, it's going to require workers when this happens. And so we need God to do things in our life. So in this story, there was a man, John chapter 5. Jesus has just really begun his ministry. And you read in John chapter 4 the story with him with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And he, and he meets her there, and then some things happen. He does some more ministry. So now John chapter 5, there's a man who finds himself in a situation. And this man, he was at the right place at the right time. And I know that when he left his home that morning or his place of sleeping, wherever it was, uh, he probably didn't realize that Jesus himself, the, the, the son of God, he didn't know much probably at all about him, but he would pass by, he would come to what's called the pool of Bethesda. So John chapter five, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, fake it and still say amen. <laughs> John chapter five, verse one. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. It doesn't specify which one, but here Jesus makes a detour to go into Jerusalem. Verse 2, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, which are uh, columns, sometimes covered with porches, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. I like to put it my own, the addicted, the lonely, the broken. All kinds of people would come with problems. Verse 4, what would happen was an angel would go down, went down at a certain time into the pool and and would stir the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. One who had, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. This man that we're talking about, he was an invalid for 38 years. He was paralyzed. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, he asked him this question, say it with me, do you want to get well? He didn't say, do you want to be healed? Do you want your, your sickness to go away? But he said, do you want to be well? 38 years, Jesus walks up to this guy in this situation he's been in for a long time. And he asked him what is a very obvious question. It might seem like on the outside, do you want to get well? And in the Greek, in the Greek exegete on this passage, in the Greek, it means Jesus asked him, do you want what I have for you? So the real meaning of this question is, do you want what I have for you? Not just do you want to get well, but do you want what I have? Verse 7. Sir, the, in, the invalid replied, I have, I have no one to help me in the pool. So here he is with his mentality. No one's going to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, which is true. He, he was stuck. While I'm trying to get in, someone is always 
ahead of me. You ever been in line and you just feel like everyone else is getting in line in front of you? Or everyone else is first? Or everyone else is getting that blessing? Or everyone else has a better, better way of life? So he's like, everyone else gets ahead of me. I always miss my turn. And Jesus asked him if he wanted to get well. And his response literally is, I can't. I can't get there. But see, Jesus never asked him if he could. Jesus asked him if he wanted to. Then Jesus said, verse 8, Jesus said to him, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, or instantly, as some translations will put it, the man was cured. He was healed. He picked up his mat, and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. It happened on the Sabbath, but it happened on the Sabbath. Amen? How many things like this were not supposed to happen on the Sabbath? And I love the word right there, but it happened on the Sabbath. The word but is a conjunction. It remind, if some of you from my era will remember this song, conjunction function, what your, well, I said that wrong, conjunction function, what's your function? Conjunction junction, what's your function? Anyway, all right, I, I messed that up, but I tried. It's a conjunction. It connects two thoughts, but it happened on the Sabbath. This is where breakthrough begins. Let me pray for you. Let's pray over this word this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for meeting us where we're at. We thank you, Lord God, even when we feel like we can't, that you can. God, when we feel like it's, it's, it's not our turn, God, do you... you those moments come when you say, now is your turn. God, I'm believing and prophesying. God, this is our turn. We're next. God, I'm next. God, I believe it right now. My family's next. Our church is next. My, my healing is next, God. And Lord, for those who've been waiting a long time, they feel like everyone else is getting what they want. God, I prophesy that we're next. It's time, God. We thank you that you come and find us. Even when we can't get up, God, you pick us up and you tell us to get up. Lord, it's time for us to get up and walk in Jesus' name. Amen. How many know when Jesus comes, there is an expectation? Amen. When he shows up, and he showed up at the pool that day. And you know, if you don't expect anything, you won't see anything. But, there's the word but, if you come with an expectation, God will show up and he will meet you where you're at. Amen. When you come to the house of God, I pray that you're here with an expectation today. You've been waiting for something, believing for something. Maybe God's been doing something in you this last few weeks or month and, and you've been hearing great worship and great sermons. But how many know the enemy never stops? Amen. I mean, the enemy never stops. So as believers, we can never stop. We can never stop learning. We can never stop believing. We can never stop expecting God to do the unexpected. And this is the place. Now is the time where breakthrough can happen. This is the place. And you believe that? Say amen. This is the place. This is the time. So the man in this story is paralyzed. And so before Jesus came, 38 years of, of waiting and, and, and hoping that he could just be first. I'm sure every day he thought, I hope nobody shows up today. 
You know, I hope I'm the only one that's out here by this pool and somehow I'll crawl, I'll roll, I'll do whatever I have to do to get down to the pool that's been stirred by the angel. But apparently that never happened and every day somebody would get there first and he would have to wait in line and he could never get there in time. This man is paralyzed. To be paralyzed means to lack mobility in action. To be in a perpetual state of stagnation. And, and here's the, here's the revelation. We have all suffered from some form of paralysis in our life. And, and I'm not talking about physically right now. I'm talking about spiritually. There have been times in our life where spiritually we've been in a state of stagnation. And I'm here today to say that, that the devil is a liar, that, that that is not a place that we should be. God is saying it's time for us to get up because we're next. Amen? And so in this series of momentum, many times as we're gaining momentum, as you as you begin to feel yourself growing and you feel yourself moving, there could be a very easy tendency to kind of even get comfortable and, and, and to stay in a place of stagnation. And that's the revelation that we've all suffered from this. We've all been spiritually paralyzed at some point, maybe paralyzed faith or paralyzed dreams or maybe paralyzed decisions or paralyzed morals, or paralyzed priorities, um, paralyzed in all the, can I keep going? How about paralyzed in our prayer life, or paralyzed in, in, in worship, or giving, and all these things where it becomes stagnant, and it's, it's lost its, 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 its passion, paralyzed. We've all suffered at some point, but here's the big one, paralyzed by sin. How many know that sin paralyzes? Let me say that again. Sin paralyzes, Amen. And I believe that this message, the thing that will stop momentum in our life more than anything, and we know it, but we need to hear it, is sin, because sin paralyzes. It stops us from getting what God wants us to have. It stops us from that place of provision. It stops us from getting to that healing that pool, but aren't you thankful that Jesus came and found him where he was at? Because how many know sometimes you feel so paralyzed, yet you just can't move, you just can't believe, but we serve a God that sent his only begotten son to find us at the pool, amen? And I want you to hear this today. Someone in this room, right now you're a little bit paralyzed by fear, by shame, by guilt, by whatever it is in your life, but Jesus says if you just Trust in me. If you just keep looking to me, come with an expectation. Jesus says, before you know it, I'm going to be standing there at the pool. And, and you won't have to wait in line. You'll, he'll say, you're next. And I'm believing that someone in this room right now, God is saying, you're next. Your breakthrough is next. Your healing is next. And it's time to say, God, I'm believing for that next season right now to happen. But these things can fear, paralyze people. And in this story, this man saw this happen. We've all been paralyzed. What ultimately matters is, is that he loves you. Verse 7, listen, the man said, every time I think it's my turn, I miss it. Because he was depending on someone else to get him there. He was depending on someone else to maybe carry him there or someone else to get him to that water, depending on people to pick him up, depending on himself to pick him up, depending on himself to work things out. But how many know when you depend on others more than you depend on God, you will miss your breakthrough? 
And I think many times we depend on what other people say. I depend on people's opinions, right? I depend on all these other things. But when our dependency comes on anything but God, we miss our breakthrough. If we depend on God, on Christ the solid rock, if my full dependency is on God, how many know I will have my turn? And you will have your turn. But I think sometimes we depend on people too much. And ladies and gentlemen, how many know we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord? And we need to remind yourself, remind, we and all of us should remind ourselves every single day, remind yourself, I am a child of God. Amen? Say that to yourself in the morning or in the night, whenever it's convenient, but say it often and, and, and loud if you have to, to let the enemy know, I am a child of God. Because the enemy of grace, of truth, wants to paralyze God's people with lies, with, with fear. And how many of the enemy wants nothing more than to paralyze people in their worship and in their faith and in their way of living? And we might look like we have it all together on the outside. We might look like we know what we're doing. But how many know sometimes we can kind of get stagnant in our worship? And stagnant in our, in our way of living. And that's right where the enemy wants us to have is in that comfortable place where, where we're so close, but we're not there yet. And I'm believing and believing and praying in Jesus' name that we'll understand Jesus is standing right there and saying, it's time to get up. Amen. It's time to get up and pick up your mat. See, when, when, when we make God the foundation of our life, and we, I need to hear this every single week. There's not a day, almost probably every single day, I need to be reminded that I am a child of God, that God is for me, he's not against me, amen, that what I've learned and what I've experienced in my life is only building me to what God wants me to do next in my life, and, and that I'm not defined by my past, amen? Say that right now to yourself, I'm not defined by my past. I am not defined by my current circumstances, I am defined by God's spirit inside me. I am defined that I am a son or a daughter of the most high. I am defined by his blood. I am defined not by what people say about me, but what God thinks of me. And see, that man, he was probably defined by people saying, well, there's that guy, whatever his name was. Let's give him the name of Joe. Joe's at the pool again. He's there every single day. He's always there. You can always count on Joe to be laying up there in his spot. He never gets his turn, but he's always always there. Can you imagine one day Joe showed up the next day and people who didn't who missed that uh, that sight and Joe comes walking down to the pool and they realize <laughs> he's been healed. And they realize he was not defined by what they thought of him, but he was defined by what God did for him. See, we're defined by this. I'm defined, you're defined by the covenant that we have. See, you're in a covenant with God. And that momentum in your life just grows and grows when you begin to speak this and believe this and know this, that you are defined by his mercy. And I love how the word definition and being defined connects to the message we heard last week about our identity. Our identity is in Christ alone. Amen. We heard a great message about who I am. I, I am this, right? This is my identity. And I am also defined by what God is in my life. 
Because people would try to define you in so many ways. I, I meet people that, that knew me as this. And they, oh, I remember how you were back in you know, 1985. I knew how you were in 1995. Or I knew how you were in 2015. Because what? God has de- changed the definition of my life through his forgiveness, through his salvation. Amen? Aren't you so thankful that God has changed your name? And you have a new name written down in glory? That's what you're defined by. Church, you're not defined by your failures. At this church, you will not be defined by your past or your failures or your guilt. You're going to be defined by what God calls you, and he calls you my son or my daughter. You're defined by his forgiveness. You're not defined by failures. You're not defined by what you do for God. You're defined by what God already did for you. Amen? And let me say this in, a, in an expedient matter. I want to say this as clearly as possible, though. Jesus asked a question. Do you want to get well? Not do you want to feel better, but do you want to get well? There's a difference, church, between wanting to feel better and wanting to get better. Amen? I mean, we can come to church to feel better but never get well. We can feel good. We can hear good messages. I hear people say, oh, that was such a good this. That was such a good that. That's great. But how has it changed you? Amen? I've heard many messages in my life that made me feel good. I felt very good. But did it change me? God's not only wanting us to feel better. He's wanting us to get better. Jesus didn't ask the man at the pool, do you want to feel better? He said, no, you're going to get better. And so there's a, there's a difference there. We can come to church for comfort and never leave changed. That's, that's what the pool represented. The pool represented a place to be comforted, right? You, you, you get around other people who have the same issues and you, you're, you're there surrounded by, I'm sure there was a lot of, a lot of people there with the same problems and, and they were comforted in this dysfunction. And how many know the enemy wants to put us around people who will kind of qualify or actually say it's okay to live in sin because they're also living in sin. So there's comfort when you're around other people living the same way. But when you get around a higher standard, come on somebody, when you get around a higher standard and people say, no, you don't need to live that way because God has more for you. It's not always comfortable, but God's not trying to make us comfortable. He's trying to elevate us to gain some momentum. Amen. And so God is trying to cause us to get up from where we've been at and say, it's time to move forward and get on with your life. Amen? Because the enemy wants us to be paralyzed. There's things in my life that have paralyzed me for seasons. And and I stayed in a place of self-pity or a victim mentality. And that's not what God wanted. God says that you will be more than conquerors through my son, Christ Jesus. Amen? He didn't say you're going to be in a place of self-pity the rest of your life. He didn't say you're going to be a victim the rest of your life. He didn't say you have to beat yourself up over that, that sin you did the rest of your life. He said there comes a point in life that you have to get up and take your mat and move on. Amen? And it's time sometimes that we spiritually grow up. It's time that we spiritually say, I got to get off the milk and start getting into the meat. 
God wants us to leave this place of being paralyzed and being in a dysfunction and saying, no more of this. I'm next. I'm next. I have news. Your family's next. Amen. Your, 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 your prayer, you're waiting for that breakthrough is next. It's time. This man was hanging out by the pool. He'd been there so long. There had to be a point that he had a, almost come to a place of giving up on, on this moment of change. I'm sure he just thought, it's never going to happen. This is just how I am. I'll always be this way. Like it or leave it, right? Have you ever heard people say, like it or leave it? This is just who I am. I won't ch-. You know, and sometimes the enemy puts that stubborn. We almost get stubborn. This is just, you have to deal with, this is who I am, like it or love it. But I believe that God is a God that wants us to continually grow. Amen? We're not going to be perfect, but we always want to be living towards perfection and saying, God, what can you do in me to change me? This is what grace does. He was waiting on his mat in a bad situation. Bad situation. And Jesus comes. Jesus walked up to the one that was last in line and said, you're going first. (laughs) The one who no one else thought would have a chance to get to the pool. Jesus walks up to the very least and says, you're next. That's grace. Jesus walks to the one in this place who might, you might say, I have the, the, the worst past. I have the, I have the, the biggest struggle. And Jesus says, yeah, but I'm going to make you first. I'm going to, I'm going to advance you. I'm going to accelerate your life. Amen. I'm going to put you in places that you never dreamt. But we have to have an expectation that God can do it. We have to be willing to say, I want to change. Not just I want to feel better. I want to grow and I want to change. So the question I have, what steps are you taking in your life to change? Amen? Not what steps are you doing to feel better. Because I feel better when I'm in God's house. I feel good. Amen? How many feel good? I feel good. If you don't feel good in church, then something wrong with you. Because it's easy to feel good here. I, I hope it is. I, I know our church is a loving church. I've heard this from visitors. They say, well, you have such a nice church. Your people are so nice. Amen? But I don't want to just be a nice church. I want to be a Holy Ghost-filled church that impacts, empowers, and sees people grow and move past their past and change and get out of that paralyzed state. And I pray if there's someone here today, you've been paralyzed by sin, you've been paralyzed by habits, you've been paralyzed from some bad decisions, that the time has come, Jesus is standing there saying, are you ready to get up? Are you ready to get up? I want to read these verses again. We're going to close here shortly. Verses 7 through 9, sir, the invalid said, remember his response, remember this. He says, I have no one to help me get up out of this pool. Into the pool, I'm sorry, get into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying, see, he tried, while I'm trying to get in, someone always gets there ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up your mat and walk. As I said, this is grace. You know that your breakthrough begins when your excuses end. Come on, somebody. Your breakthrough begins when the excuses end. When you stop saying, I can't. When you stop saying, I won't, I can't serve, I can't give, 
I can't, I can't, I can't. And we live in a, a mindset of I can't. And then you're paralyzed by I can't. The moment the healing, the breakthrough comes is when you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, he gave Jesus, the son of God, an excuse. How many know Jesus wasn't having it? Jesus' answer was short. He did not lecture him. He did not give him a three-point sermon and lay hands on him and do all these things. He just said what? Get up and let's go. Sometimes church, I think sometimes we need to say, God, I'm tired of being tired, and I'm not going to stay in this place anymore of being paralyzed. Jesus simply looked at him and said, get up. Could it be possible? That while we're waiting for God to come down, we're waiting for God to show up, we're waiting for God to do all these things in our life, could it be possible that God is waiting for us to show up? God is waiting for us to get up and and start doing something, amen? And many times we say, God, I'm waiting for a breakthrough. I'm waiting for a miracle. I'm waiting. And I think there comes a time when we have to say, I'm getting up and I'm going to do something for Jesus, amen? I'm ready to do something for Jesus right now. If you're ready, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for momentum. Thank you, God, for stirring the water. Thank you for all these things. But, Lord, we need to get up because I'm next. God, I believe in this church that we are next, Lord God, that, God, we have a, a, a next level expectation, God, that, Father, I pray for that person right now in this place that's been waiting for a breakthrough. Father, we've been, we've been, we've been in your presence. We, we feel good. We, we know this is the right place to be. But, Lord, not only do we need to feel good, we need to make changes in our life. Lord, now I speak right now over every person in this room, God, if we've been paralyzed spiritually by whatever it is, fear, failure, worry, disbelief, sin, wrong decision-making, God. Father God, we are your children, and we understand that, Lord God, you make all things new. And God, you are a God that is a God of second chances, and we thank you for the grace that showed up that day at that pool. When he couldn't do it, God, you you showed up. He couldn't make it to the pool, so God, you sent your son to the pool. God, I thank you that right now in this room, there are some people here, all of us, God, that, that say, Lord, there's some things in my life that I've tried on my own. I've depended on my own, but it's not working. God, I pray that we will understand that we can only depend on you. God, that you have never failed us and you never will fail. God, that you, 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 you say in your word that, God, that you can do all things, Lord. And, Lord, all your promises are yes and amen. So, Lord, we receive that this morning, God, that, Lord, whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're going through, maybe there's somebody in this room, like right now you're just in, in a season of not a lot of turbulence. But now is the time right now to say, God, prepare me for whatever comes next. I'm going to be ready for it. It's not going to stop my momentum. It's not going to stop my growth. Our Lord, 2019 is a year of mobilization for this church. There's going to be many opportunities, whether it's through outreach, whether it's through events, whether it's through the prayer truck. God, let this be a year of growth. Not just wanting to feel better, but Lord, experiencing life-changing moments. Would you stand with me as we 
conclude this portion of the service, I do want to spend some time in prayer and thanksgiving. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, one of my favorite verses, two verses, actually three, they're very short. Always be joyful. I mean, that's sometimes more difficult than it says, right? It's easy to say that. Always be joyful. Amen. But really, be joyful. (laughs) Never stop praying. Say that with me. Never stop praying. Maybe you took the challenge that Pastor Devin asked you 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day. It It will change your life. And then you start adding time and you start praying. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Being thankful, being thankful. This verse represents for me part of the antidote to get up and get over that sickness that's paralyzed you of sin or, or, or fear or whatever. Always be joyful. Never stop. So, be joyful, keep praying, be thankful. How I many of those are simple but profound? Simple but profound. Say it with always be joyful. All right, never stop praying. Always be thankful. If you start to put those things into your life, it will change your outlook. It will change your your whole. Uh, uh, direction, your your trajectory of, of, of what's important in life. Be joyful. And I say it's hard to be joyful when there's nothing to be joyful about. I don't, my Bible's over there, but how I many know we have a lot to be joyful about, don't we? We serve a God that cares so much for us. You, you and I have so much to be thankful for. We can always be thankful and we can definitely never stop praying. 